the only podcast that skips apple season and goes right to Halloween. This is Bombers. Welcome to another episode of Bombers. I am Bomber number five, Anthony, a.k.a. Deg. And with always here is Bomber number three, Zyber, a.k.a. Zyber. How you doing? That's me. I'm doing good. That is you. And special guest we have with us today is Alexandra of Flamma Mysteries. Hi. Hi there. How are you? Uh, doing great. Glad to have you here. Very excited about this episode. Hey, I'm super um, excited to be here. Help you kick off some of the spooky season. Yeah, we're right on the edge of spooky season. It's already pumpkin season, and now we're getting into spoopy season, so this is exciting. <laughs> we just gotta get through Guest Timber here first. Yeah, Guest Timber is going pretty strong for now. Um, I don't know, did you want to do a brief overview of uh, introductory stuff, or do you want to just roll into it? Who are you? Why should we care that <laughs> yeah. you're on our podcast? <laughs> Come on, Zyber. Sure, no, I hey, I will I will happily do that. I mean, I'll just I'll warn you now, like you give me the chance and I will just talk your ear off. So feel free to cut me at any time. Um yeah, so my name is Alexandra. Um I'm Alexandra Front Clinton. Um I you can find me on Amazon and on Drive Through RPG and now on other podcast networks wherever you listen. Everything except for pretty much Apple because I can't get my account to authenticate. Um I am an author, a tabletop RPG creator, and now a audio drama podcaster. Um I have been a paid professional ghost hunter, believe it or not. Um, that's sort of, sort of my thing and why I'm here today, because I am a ghost hunter who wrote a ghost hunting RPG and turned it into a ghost hunting fiction podcast, which is all a spinoff of a ghost hunting novel series. So again, spooky season, here we come. Rolling in strong into spooky season. Yeah, it's very exciting. Um, I have a copy of your Deepman Files RPG. I've got your first novel. I'm excited for the second one that's coming up that I'm sure we'll hear more about in the show here. So this is like... A fun moment for me, certainly. Hey, you were, I know you were one of my Kickstarter backers, and I greatly, greatly appreciate it. Um, definitely something that I couldn't have done if we didn't have community support from people like you. So by, like, R- by RPG book, like, are you saying like an actual novel or like a tabletop RPG kind of book? Both. <laughs> Two separate things. Uh, okay. The, the novel did not go to Kickstarter. Um, first one I published in 2020. Um, and, you know, I'm sure we'll, we'll cover this whenever you guys are ready. Uh, but the second one, the, the tabletop RPG, did go to Kickstarter. So it is a tabletop RPG system and setting um, and called The Deepman Files. And that is sort of the universe that I'm building is The Deepman Files universe. Um, and, uh, that was released actually last year. Um, so 2020 was my novel. Last year was our Kickstarter with our tabletop RPG. This year is both the podcast and my second novel. So we're just going to keep rolling. And I'd like to say I'm going to take a break next year, but I, I'm sure I'll find something to do. We all know no, there's no break. That <laughs> yeah. uh, sounds all enticing. Uh, I guess first we should get through the normal stuff, like uh, everyone's yeah. favorite part of the show, Bombastic News, where Zyber, a.k.a. me, talks about the news as Bombastic. Uh, as normal, you can find us on our website, thisisbombers.com, where you can see information all about us, what we do, 
you can see our podcast, uh, links to our Discord, description, link in description below also, where you can join us, talk with us, uh, join clubs. Uh, recently, uh, the Album of the Week clubs uh, started back up. Uh, we get to, yeah, this past weekend, so come in and listen to the album that uh, our lovely friend Oshi has taken control of. Yeah, and on the back of that, we also have, Zyber, I don't know if you saw, uh, put in the work to bring back our game club. So check out the game club if you're interested in playing video games with us and critiquing them and talking about our experiences month to month. Uh, that sounds boring. I think songs are a lot easier to deal with. Uh, you're, uh, you're got your I large, am correct. Your large album uh, vinyl collection, so I guess we'll allow it. Yeah, I was actually listening to the greatest hits of Blink-182 while making dinner today. Okay, good choice. Yeah. Uh, also, you can see us on Twitch where we regularly stream things. Uh, tonight, as in when, last Thursday, we are going to be streaming Thasmophobia with our guest, Alexandra. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm super excited. Uh, you can also see us do other things like Minecraft, which everyone is super into right now. And finally... You can get our Twitter if you ever want to see updates about how our stuff is going. And also, if you really want to give us some money because of how awesome we are, you can go to our Patreon. Uh, you can become a acquaintance, friend, best friend, or executive bomb deucer. And you get perks, like being able to listen to our pre- and post-shows, where we just record ourselves as we're setting up the show, or just a bit after the show as we you know, cool down and such. But you can be a friend or above to get that. Shout-outs to our current best friends, Rob, and our friends, Haley, Aaron, and Reaper, and our current acquaintances. Thank you for your support. Yo, we love you. Thank you. Hey, Cyber, you mentioned Minecraft. Did you know that we actually have started a open public Minecraft server that basically anyone can join through the server browser? I did. For some reason, I haven't muted the Bombcast channel yet. <laughs> you fool. Well, that is uh, available as well. You can join the Discord for the server information to play Minecraft with us. Uh, let's roll on now to this week's upcoming releases. Uh, today, the 19th, Monday, Return to Monkey Island is coming to the Switch and PC, which is a return to the Monkey Island series uh, from LucasArts Gaming. So if you're a fan of those old, goofy, uh, really fun humor in those, the classic point-and-click adventures... There you go. There's another one. <laughs> I do like point-and-click adventures. Yes, they're point-and-click adventures. Um, yes. There was, there was, what was it? It was Secret of, it was one of the Monkey Island, Tales of Monkey Island, that's what it's called, which is more of a telltale um, story-based, which are, they're kind of point-and-clicky, but it was more, more telltale, because I think it was actually put out by telltale. Probably. <laughs> this is actually LucasArts. Uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, September 20th, Solstice. Is coming to PlayStation 5, the Series X, Xbox, and PC. This is a cool-looking game that I didn't know about until I was putting together this list, and now I'm kind of interested in buying it. Uh, it's very, like, um, Team Ninja Platinum Games, Hack and Slash, uh, Darksiders look to it, even. Um, you play as a character whose sister was killed or sacrificed, very Full Metal Alchemist style, um, bound to the soul, hence solstice, of the sword-wielding quote-unquote main character, but it's one of those 
two characters in one. I'm not describing it, it very great, but definitely go check it out. It looks like he's wielding the Buster Sword. Yeah, she's got this giant sword, so uh, it, it's pretty cool looking. Check it out if you're into those kinds of hack and slash games. It's got that dark, gritty, rainy, Dark Souls kind of atmosphere, but it's not a Dark Souls game, it's a hack and slash. Yeah, and it has like the graphical um, like aesthetics of it are kind of like a, um, a muted Borderlands almost. It's kind of uh, a little got that cell shadingness going to it so it's cool looking check it out on thursday the 22nd serial cleaners with an s cleaners serial cleaners is coming to ps4 ps5 series x xbox one switch and pc <coughs> this is the sequel to the game serial cleaner which was part of our game club uh what was that last year i believe um you basically are a cleaner for like mob hits and stuff like that. So you're, it's a, it's sort of like a puzzle game where you go around and are cleaning up and trying not to get caught by the cops and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, but this one you'll be playing as multiple different cleaners instead of just the one cleaner from the first game. Speaking of sequels, on the same day, Slime Rancher Two is coming to the Sexbox and PC. Um, very cool. I don't, I don't know if anybody's seen Slime Rancher here, but it's a fun speed game. At least there's some really cool speed runs of it. Um, All I know is that you just ranch some slimes. Yeah, it's a first person. You go around collecting slimes and you have to grow fruit to make your slimes breed so that you can have more slimes to unlock Metroidvania-style different gates and etc. Oh, I did not know that latter part. Yep. You, you, use, you use the collection of slimes to collect other types of slimes to progress in the game through gates. So a lot of the fun speed tech is using different slimes to, like, skip the gated content it's pretty cool you should check out a run of it because i'll have to well it's um, going on friday friday the 23rd the first game i will list here because there are two of them this day as well is taiko no tatsujin rhythm festival for the nintendo switch taiko is the the drum taiko no tatsujin is the the drum game the rhythm game yeah um which i have um taiko no tatsujin uh Drum and Fun, which was the first Switch release, and I have a drum for it. Um, if you're interested in watching that on stream at some point, let me know, and I'll actually work on getting the sync, because it is not synced on my television. <laughs> um, but it's very fun. A lot of good music, and the actual gameplay is, is quite enjoyable. And it's got, like, Megalovania in it? I probably, probably. I think so, actually. Um, unlike, like, DDR or anything like that, I can actually play it, because it doesn't ruin my knees. Also on Friday is Shovel Knight Dig for the Switch, PC, and iPhone, iOS, um, which is basically Shovel Knight and Spelunky or SteamWorld Dig or those types of games uh, mashed up together. So it's it's SteamWorld Dig with a Shovel Knight skin, essentially. So uh, it's not... Okay. So it's like it's not an actual Shovel Knight-esque game? No, it is. I mean... It's a Shovel Knight game, but the gameplay is more like SteamWorld Dig or uh, Spelunky or those types of, like, uh, roguelite digging exploration style games. Eh, I've lost interest then. Yeah, well, some, some, I'm sure someone out there is interested in that. Those are this week's upcoming releases. Let us know if there's any that you're interested in picking up. Yeah, or if there's any that you're interested in us maybe uh, picking up and, and playing. 
That takes care of the normal weekly items. Now we get to the very exciting part where we talk to Alexandra about all of her cool ghost hunting and RPG and book writing and experiences. So yeah, it's like you could have a whole podcast just off of that. <laughs> it's true. I mean, if I wanted to talk about that stuff, I totally could. Instead, I decide to fictionalize it and create a story. Which sounds great. I had... <laughs> I have had on the back burners a project idea of wanting to put together a radio drama, audio drama, podcast drama, whatever you call them these days. Um, drama. And then you, I heard you were putting yours together, and I was like, I got I to gotta talk to her about that at some yes, point. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, I am very much of the mind that um, I want to share my knowledge and my experience, and if I made mistakes and can help people not make those mistakes uh, all the better um i you know it's one of those like karma things i feel like if if you help put out the good energy especially as a creator then hopefully it comes back and honestly i feel like so far that's worked out for me but with all the support i've had from like vastly different communities um so yeah anytime feel free to just pick my brain happy to yeah, well, um, why don't you just start telling us about your projects? <laughs> sure, yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, so as I said, my name is Alexandra, and back in 2020, uh, I released my first novel, uh, Echoes and Ashes, a paranormal mystery. So uh, I'll be completely honest with you, uh, that was something I did for NaNoWriMo, uh, that's National Novel Writing Month, nice. for those who might not know. Um, back in 2016, I, I finished uh, the bulk of it, um, and uh, I have <laughs> I have a terrible problem where like I will just about almost finish something, and then I get to the very end, and I'm like, mm, I'm done. Um, there's probably some, you know... Uh, uh, ADD uh, issues going on there that uh, I've just decided I don't want to get diagnosed because I don't want to know the answer. Um, but yeah, so I wrote the first novel um, almost entirely in 2016, and then I sat on it uh, for like three years. And it was about, I want to say November, start of November maybe, that's in 2019 that my husband said so like are you ever going to finish that or what <laughs> um so that's, that's, a, that's a really good point and I had about 12,000 words to go and then the book was done so in the end it ended up being something like I don't know 82,000 words or something like that so I had very nearly finished it already and just need to like write a few connecting chapters and um yeah it just it took me that long to actually uh, sit down and do it so I busted that out with the intention of getting it published uh, before my 30th birthday. That was my whole goal was that I had like two months to go and I needed to get it out. So uh, yeah, I had some some people looking at it, acting as editors, cleaning it up. And I'll be completely honest, it in the end, it could have been cleaner. It absolutely could have been. But I had put a goal on myself. And uh, at that point, I was like, well, there's no turning back now. So um, I did it and I'm glad that I did, but there are things that I would do differently, which is why now that I'm <laughs> putting the second book out, I'm actually taking those lessons to heart and, uh, you know, trying to trying to be better. Um, so the first <laughs> book, uh, as I said, it's called Echoes and Ashes, a Paranormal Mystery. Uh, it follows a team of investigators who go to a haunted asylum um, for a long weekend trip. And um, I prefer to write in third person limited. 
um, which is essentially, you know what the character knows. And that's because I write mysteries. Um, and I feel like a lot of mysteries don't work as well if they're, uh, you know, the kind where you can know everything going on at all times from all points of views. So some people really don't care for that. Um, but that's my preference. And the main character of the first book, uh, his name is Eli Gehring. He is a postcog, uh, which a postcognitive is in psychic land and paranormal land. Uh, that is someone who uh, can see um, bits of the past or get feelings of bits of the past, usually when touching something. Like, um, um, psychometry, I think, is. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, postcog deals a lot with the psychometry. So nice. Um, postcog literally means like past scene, you know, pretty much. Uh, right. So, so that's the idea is that uh, he sees these things that he calls echoes, which uh, are yeah, get it echoes and ashes, haha. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, it all together. <laughs> yes. Um, he sees these echoes. They're residual energy. They're not necessarily spirits. Um, he doesn't know if people are dead. Um. Impressions, maybe? Impressions, yes. It is usually traumatic incidents because it leaves behind energy. And it is that whole idea that energy cannot be created nor destroyed. So what happens when you have a particularly strong emotional situation that leaves behind energy? And I, I kind of am on, of the mind in real life that, you know, big traumatic events do leave behind energy. Um, so anyhow... This guy is really down on his luck, uh, loses his job. He had been on an antidepressant that allows him to suppress these echoes um, simply because, you know, certain medications, chemical imbalances. Hey, you know, life. Then American medical system <laughs> comes into play. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and he can't get that anymore. Yay. So uh, his life spirals uh, out of control because he's seeing these terrible things and it's really hard to get his life back on track, which puts him into accepting this gig ghost hunting um so yeah i'm not gonna not gonna go into details because you know that's the plot from then on out yeah please read the book it's a quick read yeah it's it's a quick read you know i like to think it's a fun read um nice to sit down with a cup of you know nice warm black tea and enjoy on Mm. a stormy night um i actually created tea custom tea blends on adagio for my books so if there are tea drinkers out there you can actually totally find teas that i made for these Apparently, I need to try that. Yes, the first one I will tell you. The first one is quite strong um, because it is uh, it's a black bourbon based tea, Um, so it is smoky. It is bourbony. It is strong, Um, and that is because of the other main character, Ash. Echoes and ashes. Ha ha. Uh Um, (laughs) So yeah, that is the first book. Uh, Second book, which comes out on Halloween, follows a different narrator uh, named Catherine Burke. Um, and, um, she is an American woman, uh, who recently found out that she inherited a castle back in Ireland when her mother died. Um, so she moves back, her grandmother's still in the castle and, uh, it's, it's, they call it the Donovan Manor. Um, and she's decided that she's going to renovate this manor and turn it into a bed and breakfast because she doesn't really have a whole lot of other stuff tying her down so hey why not do this you know make her own legacy what better place for a nice bed and breakfast than a castle in ireland exactly yeah. wouldn't that be all of our dreams um i would love oh, that um only. yeah so i'm a, i mean i'm i'm very much irish and i still have family over there um so you know for me it was a little bit of something to you know tie into my family and heritage um nice 
but yeah, it's it's a castle. It's an old castle. In old castle, they got ghosts. Um, <laughs> so um, there are there are issues. She's she's not feeling fantastically comfortable in her home, and she doesn't know if she can actually turn this into a bed and breakfast. So a friend of her convinces her to call up Doctor Dietman, who it is his team in the first book. So it follows some of his crew um, in the second book as well. Um, so Dr. Dietman in this universe is a renowned parapsychologist who has made it his life's work to seek out those extraordinary individuals who might be the key into his studies regarding the other side. That is almost word from word from the intro of my podcast, and I've heard it so many freaking times that, that yeah, that now it lives in my brain. Um, so yeah, that is, that is book one, book two, um, book two comes out on Halloween, um, the first book is very heavily in- influenced by the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. Um, the layout is very similar to it. It's uh, built in, I think it's called the Breckenridge style, which was a very specific asylum style um, that was meant to maximize airflow and sunlight. Um, so it's it's sort of built in that. And I actually had a layout created, um, like a map, which I put into the Kickstarter book. So you can actually check that out in the book. Um and in uh, book two, that is uh, very heavily based off of Lep Castle, um, which is supposedly one of the most haunted places in the world. Um, I had the pleasure of doing an overnight investigation there um, in 2015, I believe. Um, and then I slept uh, on the balcony where this supposed demonic elemental was said to have been seen. And it was the best sleep I had that whole trip. It was fantastic. <laughs> I slept like a freaking log. It was amazing. On a balcony. Uh, uh, well, I mean, there was a bed on the balcony. Oh, okay. But like, like, they're oh. like, ooh, this is where this demonic elemental is seen. Are you sure you want to sleep there? And I'm like, I have bronchitis. I will sleep wherever you put me. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, it was a good time. It was, it was a great time. I met some really great people. Um, I woke up and the owner of the castle like made us a full Irish breakfast. It was like one of the oh, best nice. experiences of my life. So I uh, took some of the stories from that, fictionalized some of it, created a new castle, a new layout, which the exterior is very based off Chillingham Castle in um, England. But that layout is actually also in the Kickstarter book. So if people flip to the case of Donovan Manor, um, I have... <laughs> altered some of it from the story but there is some artwork and reference in there because i had already been working on that book whenever uh, i was working on the kickstarter so um yeah uh those are the two books the podcast the deepman files a paranormal mystery podcast which again is on most major podcasting sources except for apple um it follows dr deepman and his team well, I should actually say it follows mostly Dr. Dietman's team. Um, Dr. Dietman is not present. Um, he does the narration in the beginning um, and the end. Uh, Dr. Dietman is actually my father. Um, it has been a great experience uh, having him do some narration for me. Um, but the bulk of the episodes, each one is its own investigation that follows uh, primarily the investigators, JB, who was named after a backer um, from my Kickstarter uh, out in Australia. He was uh, my biggest backer and really into it and really wanted me to um, send him some stuff. So I said, yes, I will absolutely do this. And unfortunately, there were issues with getting stuff shipped because of COVID restrictions. So I said, I'm so sorry. Can I make it up to you? I'm writing a podcast. Can I like, I don't know, name the character after you or something? So uh, we settled on JB um, for Jay Blackwood. And um, 
then it follows the other character of Ash, um, Ash Dementieva, who is um, a main character in the book series. Um, we have some other guest investigators. We have people from all across the country and probably about to be international as soon as we finish this next episode. Um, it's been great. So the podcast you said is episodic in content it is is. so the whole thing it's 13 episodes it's a 13 episode audio drama so each episode is its own investigation over 13 episodes there's sort of a little bit of a greater story going on um our intention is to leave it in a way that concludes season one but we could perhaps do a season two um we we don't know yet if we will we want to see the success and if people like it or if they're like eh, no it's a bust because it's a lot of time and effort and if people are really not feeling it then i'm not going to force my friends to continue to do this with me um <laughs> it has definitely been a passion project it has been a lot a lot of hours um from all people who are just essentially volunteering with me to do this, you know, people who are helping me edit and write, um, people who are taking time out to sit through, uh, like, like line reading <coughs> sessions. Um, and then we essentially have a mobile podcasting unit where we take <laughs> our, our studio around and have people record on our mics if possible so that we can try to get like everything to be even. Because as you guys know, different mics sound drastically different when you put oh, them yeah. together. Yeah, consistency so. is uh, not easy to get when we're not centrally located. So yes, we've yes. actually found out that a, a rock band microphone sounds really awesome. It does. Really interesting. Yeah. Weirdly enough, um, we had Shay was bomber number one using just a rock band microphone from like the Xbox 360 and it that's sounded hilarious. better than it still sounds better than my current microphone yeah <laughs> oh my god that's wild I would never have thought that uh, but yeah crazy. I mean it was so you know that and when you try to put it together and you're trying to make it sound like an episode like a you know, like a narration episode, it is difficult. You can drastically hear the different quality. And like, I've had times where I've said, I am so sorry, guys, but this is this is not usable audio. Like, we need to redo this. Um, some people have gone ahead and actually just double purchased the same mic setup that I use just because they got tired of waiting on me to come to them so they just said that's really nice. i'm gonna get my yeah. i know i am and i'm so thankful for that so um but yeah 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 so 13 episodes um we are on the second episode right now that aired on friday it comes out every two weeks um so um i'm sorry when this airs the next episode three will be dropping this week um yes yes uh that'll be dropping this week so um the way we have done it is that every third episode is a slight deviation from the regular format um and this is i'm just gonna i'm going into this a little more than i really meant to but this is because you know if you're interested in writing this you can learn from some of my experiences (laughs) um the way we did it is it is essentially you know it's conversations it is people talking and narrating scenes so you know kind of what they're seeing the thing is is that we don't actually have like a narrator you know in the background like setting the scene for you that was one of those like learning things for us that we had to learn how to have the characters discuss what was around them and try to make it sound natural so that you understood what was happening as the listener without them just telling you, yes, what a lovely red roof that is, you know, like it doesn't sound natural. Just make it like an anime where they do describe everything in conversations. It's really weird. I was, weirdly enough, just last night 
I randomly put on an episode of the old Batman the Animated Series cartoon. And I was so impressed with how their scripts are written like the old noir mystery radio dramas. That's just amazing. But you know what? So I have my team. I have some very talented people, talented writers helping me. And all of them... One did better than the others. Um, the others, uh, the, and they know we've discussed this. They started, and they didn't get very far before they said, "I, I can't do this. Like this is this is a lot harder than trying to write, you know, prose. Um, you can be the world's best novelist, but writing a script is drastically different from that. And not everybody can do it. That that is the one thing that I have found is it is not for everybody." Um, but what's been really helpful is my team will sometimes come up with the episode. Um, they'll get it started and help set the scene. And then I'm able to sort of take it and run with it and finish the episode. So even if people <laughs> haven't been able to go through and finish writing, um, the, the collaborative aspect has really helped. Now, every third episode, we deviate from that format a little bit. So episode three, for example, is a journal um so it is we have one specific the guy who wrote it actually one of my good friends terry um he went through and wrote it all as a journal so he is reading the journal entries which was also its own sort of can of worms trying to then narrate it from a journal like how do you describe the scene from a journal entry and rationalize why is this guy (laughs) writing something when he's running through the woods you know like you had to try to get it to work yeah Um, so so did you just have like one person read all of that or did you yes like was there any okay so what we did when a conversation took place i think the way we wrote it was he said something like and a journal i'll try to recall how the conversation went and then you know that he would go get back here he said you know whatever like that he would go back and forth kind of more narrating it as you would kind of see in a book um but it was a it was a very interesting experience to do um and then uh episode six which we are working on right now is going sort of back to the standard format but it's actually set in uh the past with dr deepman one second here we'll just we'll get this in editing right cyber Nah, we'll keep it it's fine no come on (laughs) (laughs) sorry about that i don't want you to hear bags rustling in the background that's all um so, uh, yeah, so episode six is actually from um, Dr. Dietman's uh, point of view. Um, and my intention is actually that I'm going to have my brother doing the voice of Dr. Dietman, um, since my dad is the elder Dietman, then my brother will be young Dr. Dietman. I'm very excited like for that. that. That's, yes. that's cool. That's fun. Um, I, it's Unfortunately, he lives in Philly, so <laughs> trying to get that to work now is uh, it will, will make it fun. work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then episode nine is uh, essentially found footage. Um, so it is... Uh, going back and forth sort of with the standard format but it is all characters who are not part of the series otherwise and um it is supposed to be sort of them recording test sessions um without getting into what the plot of that episode is so um yeah it's been really fun to go ahead and try to mix it up a little bit so it's not the same thing every single time some people have been great at doing the writing for it some people you know struggled but still gave an attempt and that was what mattered yes it's a good experience to try doing that stuff yeah Uh, the journal one episode reminds me of the daily Dracula that I'm reading where it shows 
Dracula based on what day a journal entry is written because all of Dracula is just journal entries. And so it is interesting seeing like, uh, oh, it took two days for this person to write what happened because like, you know, they had to experience yes. first. Yes, exactly, exactly. And, and it is. It's it's them narrating. They are writing in real time, but talking about something that happened to them previously. Um, but something like, um, I'll say that one, like the Magnus Archives, for example, was a major influence for that episode. Like, I'm a big fan of that. So um, we have lots of like little Easter eggs um, for people who are fans of essentially the paranormal genre. Like, I will throw in a name where you could be like, Oh, like clearly, you know, she's a fan of that. Like, you know, I, I threw that I in see there. What you did there. Yeah, a little. I see what she did there, and it's it's supposed to be, you know, not not me trying to capitalize on their success, but more of like an homage to all of the things that I love and that have inspired me. Which this is not a great time for me to get into the last piece of the, the things that I've written. Um, the Deepman Files RPG. So the Deepman Files RPG uh, wrote that over COVID time because since we couldn't go ghost hunting, we decided to bring ghost hunting to us. Um, Only logical solution. Obviously. (laughs) And like you can only take your equipment around your own home so many times. Um, I live in a townhouse. (laughs) Yeah. So essentially when I hear a bump in the night, it's probably my townhouse neighbors. Like it's not natural. Um, but yeah, so we, we decided to go ahead and write, um, this tabletop, which uses the powered by the apocalypse system. Um, so for anybody who might not be familiar, it is a two D six system where, um, you essentially roll the die and then roll the dice and then add your modifier six through zero is a fail. You just, you miss, it doesn't work, bad stuff happens, etc. Seven through nine is a minor success where, yes, you might have succeeded in kicking down that door, but you're going to injure yourself while you do it. And then a 10 plus is absolutely you succeed. Sometimes you can actually go over where you can say like a 12 and above is like the mightiest of mighty successes and you blew that freaking door off of the hinges. You know what I mean? Um, so something like that. Um, with that, uh, we... Oh, go ahead. I think it's a failure, success at cost. Yes. Success and major success. Correct. Believe, or how they define them. Yes. So yes, similar, yes, yes. Some, something like so that. So just don't get, don't get box cars. Or snake eyes. No. Snake eyes. That's it. Don't get yes, snake eyes. Yes, that is the worst. You want that box is, cars. That is the equivalent of, yeah, like a nat one. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I started playing a couple different systems over COVID that use that. And we really liked it because we felt that you could tell a story with that system a little bit better than you could with some other crunchier systems. It's very dependent on actual, like, storyteller, GM, DM, whatever you want to call the game runner, and players coming together and collaborating to tell a story together. Yeah, Absolutely. And online, this kind of system, we weren't using a map or anything. We, we weren't even, like, sharing screens, really. It was very theater of the mind. And yeah. we just found that it was more flexible than some of the other systems. So that was how we, we landed on this for us. Um, I was actually able to reach out to um, the creators and um, one of the creators, um, I believe it's a husband-wife duo, um, the wife, uh, Meg, um, responded to me and we had a nice little chat and, you know, I got their blessing um, to use their logo and everything, you know, all like A-OK there. 
and a nice shot with her uh, basically being, you know, a a woman in the game design field uh, presents some challenges. Um, you know, there there are some things there that not everybody faces. Um, and I, I faced it, I will be honest, right away um, when I was posting to, like, the Powered by Apocalypse community. Powered by the Apocalypse community. Um, right off the bat, there, there were some things that bounced back very quickly that uh, not all of the other creators were getting. Um so, uh, you know, she reached out to me and we had a nice talk. It was uh, enlightening and also encouraging. So, yeah, we, we went ahead with it. We published it. In the book, there are 18 classes. Um, three of them were actually Kickstarter classes. We didn't put them in originally, but as we started getting success, in the end, we were like over 400% funded. Nice. Um, yeah, it was it was a success. I probably could have hit like set some higher goals, but I really just set exactly what I needed to make the project happen, and that was it. Um, three of the classes we added on and had some guest writers. Um and yeah, the classes are broken up into two sections, the psychics and the investigators. So in the world of the Deepman files, and it's it's a running theme with the books and everything, you have psychics and investigators. And psychics are all encompassing. These are people who have like extraordinary abilities. It's not always necessarily, you know, your telekinetic, which act that that is a psychic in my book, but like the exorcist also counts as one because they have special abilities, you know. Some sort of Power of some sort. Power, yes. That is essentially the magic system for this. And um, there are eight classes uh, of the psychics. And then there were seven um, for the investigators. And these range from things like, uh, you know, and I'm not looking at my list right now, but it's like, let's see, the clairvoyance, the medium, the postcog, um, the uh, uh, pyrokinetic, um, the ex- the exorcist, the telepath, the telekinetic. Did I say that already? I don't know. Um, and there is something else there that I'm just totally not thinking of right now. Um, and then with the investigators, there's like the researcher. Um, hey, yeah, just yeah, pull up the book. book. That would be helpful. <laughs> um, yeah, go ahead. If you could just read those off for me really quick, because I probably should have been more prepared. And, you know, I had that, but I didn't. Like it seems like I can totally see like having seven or eight uh, psych people, but like coming up with seven investigator like separation kind of things that's a lot harder for me to think about that, that's what i was just thinking yes Let's see. psychics <clears throat> clairvoyant postcog telepath psychograph medium telekinetic exorcist pyrokinetic and, then, and those uh, are oh, oh yeah, so so with the py- like pyrokinetic you know i mentioned people can swap out for other you know abilities if you want to do lightning you can do lightning it's like just pyrokinetic yeah. we actually i ha- i played with the cryokinetic absolutely so things like that and um you know people can mix and match and then we have the investigators researcher charlatan skeptic benefactor engineer muscle intern hunter occultist spirit Yes. So those last three, well, so those last three were the um, Kickstarter classes. So they sort of are on their own thing. They're technically investigators because like the occultist didn't actually have power. He sort of took it. Um, The hunter doesn't really have power. He goes and kills those who do. Um, And then the spear is right in between because the spirit is uh, a very special class with very special rules for people who want to play on hard mode. 
Um, but a lot of these uh, classes are based off of characters that are in the book and podcast. So nice. you don't need to have read any of that to be able to play the game. Um, but, you know, it's a little supplemental bit. Um, but, yeah, there are the moves. We had a ton of fun coming up with the moves and everything. Uh, if you look at the abilities, uh, they have a lot of fun names, which, again, you will see references to other you know, pop culture uh, things that I well, love. That's always fun to do. Yeah, it was a blast. And none of the names are really serious at all. Um, well, like, I but... imagine, like, I don't know anything about the skeptic, but I, my instant thought was just uh, someone going, I don't believe it ghosts, and the ghost just yes. disappearing. Actually, okay, that one is actually called Clap If You Don't Believe, I'm pretty sure. There's also a <laughs> nice. build, build That Wall, which is a <laughs> throwing up a psychic wall that only you believe in. <laughs> Um, psychics, am I right? Are you, that's, are you that saying that? Move, yes. Are you saying that mime isn't a psychic class here? Uh, it is if you're the skeptic. <laughs> <laughs> um, my favorite class of the investigators, believe it or not, is actually the intern. Um, the intern is based off of one of the characters from the book, Carlos. Uh, he is a cinnamon bun. I love him, um, and like he has one of my favorite abilities, which is I brought snacks. Um, which yes. is a nice for anybody who's ever played any sort of tabletop RPG. You all have that one person who shows up to games and is like, don't worry, guys, I might be late, but I brought snacks. Huzzah, snacks for everyone. Yes, yep. like when I played the Monster of the Week one time, I played as the, the just civilian class, and that was just so much fun. It's, it's a blast. similar stuff to that where it's just like oh other civilians are more likely to believe you and i just play it as like a really stupid janitor <laughs> i love it it's it's fun yeah now i have a question how did you come up like did you just start building different uh card types and then those numbers formed, or did you put a goal like I want to have seven and eight because it makes 13 and that's I a number. actually no i, that, not I did not i don't know math works. um I uh I put it together mostly going first off of um characters from my book. So I I took those and I put them into what classes they would be. So um like the charlatan is straight up like a paranormal TV like host. Like he's he's yeah. I won't say the name. He's a essentially a well-known uh host yeah. which anybody who's seen any ghost shows can probably already imagine who it is um but that's also like a character in the book jackson cohen so um that's sort of what i did was i went first through those and then went through the ones that i would know would be appearing later in the series and then i just sort of thought like okay when i think about like psychics who am I missing? Like, what what are the kind of abilities that I can imagine people wanting to play? There's also another heavy influence in my whole Demon Files universe. It is the Stephen King miniseries from 1999. That's when it was filmed. It aired in 2001, I believe. It's a four-episode miniseries. I own two copies of the DVDs so that if I ever lose one, I have another one because it's so hard <laughs> to find. Nice. Um, but uh, it is was Stephen King's version of kind of uh, Haunting of Hill House. Um, he had been asked to create, like, Shirley Jackson's, you know, Haunting of Hill House. And he said, I don't want to do that because I don't know if I could do it justice. Like, I don't want to recreate that. So instead what he did was he took another book, which was called The Diary of Ellen Ribbauer, 
and turned that into a miniseries. But if you know Haunting of Hill House and you know Shirley Jackson, you can see all the influences in in the miniseries. Um, I saw that. I was 11 years old when I saw that. And that was one of the things that like seriously defined me. So um, uh, some of the other psychics that I saw in that, other investigators that I saw in that, sort of made their way into the book. Um what was the miniseries? Sorry, Rose Red. Yeah, two thousand one, I believe, is the series. It is. It's really hard to find, and I've only been able to find DVDs of it. And like I said, I've I have multiple copies just in case. <laughs> I watch it multiple times a year. Like it is my favorite <laughs> thing. It is when I ask my favorite movie, it's that in Clue. Oh, Clue is so good. I was seeing online I... recently. Like, uh, what was the first horror movie ever watched? Oh. See, the earliest things that I watched weren't movies that I can remember. They were series, sort of. I grew up on Tales from the Crypts and X-Files. And when I say I grew up on that, I mean literally, like, my dad was working on his master's. He would sit me in front of the TV with a beanbag and a bottle, and he would be watching Tales from the Crypt and X-Files. So that's what I watched way past my bedtime as far too, far too young to be watching that stuff. Yeah. Probably. And that is why I am how I am today. <laughs> it's like a family business kind of thing. Uh, yeah, actually. I mean, he's not a big fiction fan. Um, he uh, does not love, I think, a lot of this stuff. Um, does not appreciate it like I do. Um, but he lets... You know, he just lets me do my thing. And then when I asked him to narrate, he said, okay, I guess. Um, <laughs> I guess. But I will say, I don't think he made the class tonight, but I will say that he decided to go on and start taking voice acting classes. Um, oh. He loved it that much. So nice. it That's really, cool. yeah, like it's truly like in the end, it has been a great thing for my friends and family. Uh, we've, we've found a lot of interest. We didn't know we had. Yeah. I mean, you got to get out of your comfort zone or you don't know what you're going to find otherwise absolutely yeah. i'd say I'm, I'm pretty different uh as i am now compared to before i ever started doing any podcasting stuff yeah certainly yeah it's about putting yourself out there and if we're talking about what was the first horror type stuff like zyber what was what was your answer to your own question then i'm curious i'm not really sure if it actually was the first horror movie i mean like i read goosebumps so there was that but like the first horror movie I can remember watching is When Darkness Falls, which is... Oh, yeah. Evil Tooth Fairy. Terrified me of the darkness. Like, I remember the first time we watched it, and then, like, my dog needed to go outside, and so my dad's all like, hey, to my sister, go go take the dog out. She just goes, are you kidding me? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, you know, okay, hold on. Now we're backtracking here, but I can't actually think. The very first movie is that I can think of. Two of them, which scared the crap out of me. Uh, one... Uh, helped form my dislike of a sci-fi um event horizon which i stand oh, by as being yeah. one of the absolute like scariest movies i've ever seen and i have no desire to see it again and i know just now like sci-fi overall don't love it and i think it goes back to that and then the other one was one i actually had to go back and rewatch much later it was called the gate uh, I don't know if anybody's seen that. It's essentially, if I recall, a couple of kids are left out home alone and accidentally open a portal to hell in oh. their basement. Oh. And then, like, there is some really, like, graphic scenes of, like, kids with faces melting off and eyes popping out and 
just being like dragged to hell and then i think in the end it all just gets fixed like none, nothing ever happened i don't really remember but uh that one actually like i'm pretty sure i was like six when i saw that and it scarred me that reminds me of how like some people have watched like the attack of the tom- like tomato or <gasps> killer tomatoes. Killer tomatoes. tomatoes and that like off made them honestly afraid of tomatoes and just like really <laughs> i mean i haven't seen it but <laughs> oh man that's hilarious i love it like some people watch horror movies and it just completely destroys them <laughs> jaws 2 Hmm. Well, Jaws right. definitely caused people to just be terrified of sharks when they don't necessarily need to be as much. I I know that it's irrational, but I I, I now have thalassophobia, and it is tracked completely back to seeing that at far too early of an age. Yeah. That and um, are you afraid of the dark? Oh, love it! Big fan. <laughs> nope. <laughs> that... I'm a scaredy cat. <laughs> yeah, that's. Yeah, that's... Uh... Mild dark. and dumb and silly. Uh, it's pretty dark. Are you afraid? No, I mean, going back, I, 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 I did one of those things where I saw it on streaming, and I was like, "All right, let's see." Like, it can't be nearly as bad as I remember. And I watched it. And I was like, "Okay, yeah, this is, this is pretty goofy, actually." But uh, it I love it. Terrified me as a kid. That was like the highlight of my day, coming home and watching. Are you afraid of the dark? <laughs> you afraid of the do- dark? Um, Goosebumps, so weird. Eerie Indiana. I don't know. Watching Goosebumps compared to reading Goosebumps, it was just all like, why was this ever scary? <laughs> yeah, it's way better when you're imagining it yourself. Yeah, watching that... uh, watching shows though as a kid, like you, like it's truly formative. Like I think about it now. Did any of you ever watch um, Scariest Places on Earth? no maybe that is another one that i cannot find and i would pay good money to get that um like as a dvd set it was hosted by i want to say linda blair they used to play it like on abc they would do reruns around halloween um but they haven't done it in like years probably because they're old now um but it was hosted by linda blair and it was narrated by the woman from the poltergeist i can't think of her name but you know the woman Zelda Rubenstein. like the Yes, yeah, the high-pitched voice, yes. Yeah. It was narrated by her. And Scariest Places on Earth would take a family and, like, plop them down in a haunted location. And it supposedly for, like, a night or a couple nights or something, they would just sort of leave them there with some tasks to do. And they would, like, they'd be like, okay, now split up and, like, go to these different places and do <laughs> oh, these gosh. chants. And be oh, sure boy. to ring this bell at the end or you're going to get haunted, you know? And I can remember watching the premiere. I was in my grandparents' basement. My sister and I were in, like, princess dress-up gowns in the dark, in this, you know, dingy, unfinished basement that had a TV in the corner. And we watched the premiere of it, and it actually, that's, that explains it, right. It actually took place, the premiere took place in Chillingham Castle, which, as I just said a little while ago, is part of my basis for my second book. Right, this is all coming together very now. Why? Yes, very formative. Um, Chillingham Castle. Um, and one of the scenes at the end always, always stuck with me. So this family, right, they have to go and, like, They'd separate and have to go into individual rooms where all these cameras are. They'd, like, say a ritual and blow out a candle and try to run away and make sure to do it right. Freak themselves out, basically. Exactly. And then I think the first time they're like, you didn't do it right, so you you need to do it again. So they go back and do it again. 
and they leave and then they like play the credits and then right at the end of the credits or something they show a clip of the room supposedly after the family's left and it is this like um like a wardrobe door just like slowly creaking open and that scene (laughs) that scene has stuck in my mind for oh i don't know 21 years like i i always hate post-credit scenes to horror movies like when darkness falls (laughs) we get through the credits and then it shows a kid in bed having lost his final tooth and i just like nope i am leaving (laughs) even just hearing you talk about that sitting in this fully lit room i've got like goosebumps and i'm freaking out Love it, okay. love it. I'm so scared. I, I do not do good with horror things. That's, I mean, that set me down the path. And I have been to, as I said, I've been to some of the most haunted places in the world, supposedly. Uh, not supposedly that I've been there, supposedly that they're haunted. You've supposedly been there. <laughs> I, I have been there. I just don't know if you could say some of them are super haunted. Um, allegedly. Allegedly. And uh, I've, I've been there and, you know, I, I've traveled great distances to do it. Uh, I have so much fun. I have so much fun yeah. doing it. Yeah, follow your passion. Uh, yeah. Just leave me behind. <laughs> we'll watch from a that. distance. It's really not that scary. But I could talk about some of those during our phasmophobia screen. Uh, I don't, I don't want to take up too much time here going into my stories, but I've got stories. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Now, I, um, I think that fo- following the things that you love is definitely very important. So, like, again... All power to you. <laughs> Not for me. <laughs> I'm telling you, ghost hunting, a lot of ghost hunting is sitting in the dark and saying to nobody, is anybody there? Like, I'm not, the, I, and you get nothing. It's completely irrational. Like, I, I personally don't really believe in any of the, the ghosts and all that stuff. But I, I, there's always that niggling, you know, the little doubt in the back of the head, like, but what if? Yeah, there's like a local abandoned hospital that's haunted and stuff, and is people... it haunted Hillview Manor? No. Where are you? I don't know where you're located. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, pe- people talk here. about like going there for like tours or just sneaking in and all these things, and I'm just all like, I'm good, no, thank you. Yeah, I, mean, Love I don't it. believe in it, but why risk it? Like especially yeah. like hospitals, which like if that kind of stuff is real, a hospital is not a place you want to go to. My my favorite spot to go ghost hunting is Haunted Hillview Manor, which was a hospital. Yeah, it is in yeah. Newcastle, Pennsylvania. Um, I have less. I've been all over the freaking world, and the best evidence that I've ever had was Hillview Manor. Like consistently, I have been there at this point more times than I can count. And I consistently get good evidence there. Yeah. Hospitals. Newcastle! <laughs> yeah. Just outside Pittsburgh, basically. Yeah, just outside of Pittsburgh. So if anybody's looking for recommendations, that's the number one recommendation I've got for you. It was like, similarly, my the hospital my mom works at, there was like a case of a nun somehow being decapitated by an elevator. And so oh, now gosh. like people have Ew. apparently sensed the presence of that nun there. Yeah. It's like okay, so, that's so some do final still destination. use that elevator, or I remember hearing a story from a friend who worked at a hotel, and they got on the elevator and pressed the floor, pressed the button for the lobby, and ended up in the sub basement, and they were like, "Oh no, uh oh." Uh, uh-oh. Yeah, uh, that is that's horror movie energy. Yeah, like my yeah. my wife and I went on the Tower of Terror at Disney World, and yes, that, that was amazing. Like. I mean, it was obviously supposed to be more spooky than the Haunted Mansion, but, like, just not have even... Have you seen the movie? I, I have, yeah. 
my sister bought it for me last year because that was one of my favorite <laughs> favorite movies. <laughs> it was great. Nice. And yeah, like the most part terrifying part of the ride wasn't even the actual dropping and stuff. It was like getting to the drop. Anticipation. Horror. Yeah. Yep. The 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 build up, anticipation, the imagining what's coming are all of the scariest parts of of anything, which is frankly is why I think a lot of the ghost hunting stuff is so scary because you're just sitting in the dark, talking to nothing. Yes, but you're talking to nothing, going, "What's going to happen?" Well, that's like why horror <laughs> yeah, games are fair. so scary because, like, you know, like it's just a game, even if the monster catches me whatever but like it's still scary playing them yeah, anticipation yeah that's fair yep like phasmophobia oh boy yep i w- i guarantee you if you're listening to the podcast there's probably a vod that's been pulled It'll probably be on our YouTube that is basically just me crying in a corner somewhere oh <laughs> i really hope that we get a lot of vods out of this oh i'm not I'm doing it. I'm doing it for you, Cyber, because you've been you've been pestering for phasmophobia for a while, and uh, cool. Alexander here, it's right up your alley. So. Sure is. Yeah. I'll just stay in the truck, and you guys can go in. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll do I'll do man in the van. It's fine. <laughs> I'll take the hit. I'll be the one that. That means you're going to put the equipment in, right? If by end, you're going to pay for all of the equipment and put it in if you're going to be the one that stays in the van, right? Right. If by end you mean he's just going to like throw it inside and then dash out. <laughs> Here you go, bye. It's like, uh, sorry, you broke it when you, you threw it. Can we get another one? Yeah, I'll replace it. You're the equipment now. Go. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I imagine I'm probably going to I used to play with my die. little brother, and he was our. He was. Uh, he was our meat shield. We would we would send yeah. him. We had our designated person, and it was always him. The go talk. Yep. Go go talk. <laughs> Which I will tell you a fantastic story about sacrifices and ghost hunting during during phasmophobia. I mean, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be the meat shield. Oh yeah, you'll be the meat shield. Yeah, I'm leaving you behind. I'm just going to tell you right now. I'm not staying. <laughs> <laughs> For a sign of a haunt, I'm out of there finding a closet to hide in and telling you to go find your own. I mean, most likely, I won't even notice what's going on, and they'll be like, wait, where did you go? <laughs> Cyber will be wandering around, and then we'll be like, man, Cyber hasn't talked for a... Hmm, there's a corpse here. Hmm. 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 <laughs> hmm. Well, speaking of games, I think it's about time that we just talk a bit about what we've played or watched or whatever in the last week. Are we rolling into ministry cap on Zyber's decision here? Yeah. I mean, that was a great yeah. conversation. So we can continue on Phasmophobia. Fair. Well, uh, do you want who do you want to go first since you, you introduced the segment? Well, apparently you two have done similar stuff, so... Yep. Uh, ministry cap recently, I sat down and I watched um, up to at least the day of recording... Um, I did not watch the recent releases, but uh, all the others of She-Hulk and the House of the Dragon shows. Uh, honestly, I mean, I, I've I've been enjoying She-Hulk. Oh, a fair absolutely! Bit. It's I've, been, I've great. been loving it. That's good. Yeah. It's it's doing the exact thing that I have loved about a lot of the MCU, which is taking superhero and a genre and mashing them together. So it is 
like, I, and I hope they stick to this and continue leaning heavily into it basically just being a lawyer show, a law procedural show that happens to also be centered around superhero cases. Because I don't want to watch just She-Hulk running around fighting things. I want to watch She-Hulk attorney at law. Yeah, because, like, She-Hulk is a lawyer who happens to also be a superhero, while, you know, Daredevil is a superhero who also happens to be a lawyer. Yeah. And it um, works better in, if for She-Hulk because the focus is on the lawyering, not on the d- daredeviling for Daredevil. Yeah, I've heard, like, is- actual lawyers slash attorneys have issues with the show. It's like, well, okay, have you seen any hospital shows? <laughs> yeah. Have you watched most other law shows? It's not supposed to be accurate because real court cases are boring. So the most interesting thing is that there's a giant green woman here. And it, it, it has definitely been fun and leaning into that, that genre superhero film. So it's a lawyer superhero thing. Yeah, I still need to I've watch been, it. I've been really enjoying it. Um, obviously, you know, not, not to like get on any soapboxes, but I probably have a little bit of a different perspective about it than you guys do. Um, but uh, one of the things uh, I have a, I have a, a friend on my Facebook who, um, yeah, I'm that old, uh, who, uh, he likes to, you know, put out his little reviews of things and, he had said something essentially like that this episode, the most recent episode um, that I saw was very like embarrassment humor based. And I was a little worried going into it because I'm like, man, like I, I don't really love cringe humor. Like, I don't know if, how I'm going to feel about this episode, but I watched it and I'm like, I, I don't know if this is particularly cringy humor as much as it is light poking fun at essentially a day in the life of being a professional woman sometimes like I'm like this is not that cringy because this is this is real life um uh, <laughs> but uh i think that there are a lot of things you know that you know from from the female perspective uh she hulk is getting very right um I, absolutely and i've been really appreciating it because it's it's very uh relatable yeah and that's that's nice and awesome to hear because again uh obviously zyra and i have particular perspectives so. right and hey everyone's gonna have that but like you know some of the stuff that they've touched on even if it is you know very very quick you know one sort of line drop um it's it's pretty it's pretty real so uh, i've just appreciated it that's really nice. good like i always enjoy i i enjoy watching shows that more emphasize towards people that's not me and so it always annoys me when people are just all like, oh, it's not a straight white man that's the protagonist. How can I relate? And I'm always just all like, mm-hmm. well, if you had any empathy. Or yeah. imagination at all. I remember they did the same exact yeah. thing with uh, Miss Marvel. And I watched it. I'm just like, like, it's more childish because they're kids. But otherwise, it was a great show, in my opinion. Yeah, fantastic. It was easily anything. I mean, I'm going to say it was better than things that you would find on like the CW. Oh, yeah. But the, <laughs> yes. the, the childishness had nothing to do with like their choice in protagonist as much as it was simply there was a certain setting and a certain writing style that they used. And that is how you write for a younger audience. That's it. Yeah. Like, Simple. It's so like, when have you last seen kids? Like, that's that's how kids are. That's That's just what that's kids. Yeah. Deal with it. Sorry, kids. The um, House of the Dragon, on the other hand, not is for that, kids. Is that the Game of Thrones? Not, 
that's that is the Game of Thrones like prequel okay. series. It has been a show that I was watching. <laughs> is, I like it. I actually like it a lot. So is it different people than who did Game of Thrones? Oh, yeah. then? Yes. It's, it's like 240 some years before Game of Thrones. No, I, I but mean, I like believe the, the writers. I believe it. it is an entirely different group. Different showrunners. I think different writers. I believe so. I know Germ is a little bit more closely involved with the production than he was near the end of Game of Thrones. <laughs> for um, various reasons. <laughs> for various reasons, yes. I mean, who knows if he um, wanted to try to write a, you know, the finishing stuff. He needs to finish the books is what he needs to he do. Does, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But this is, with this one, since it's going back to essentially source material that is completed, yeah. uh, you know, like they, they have a pretty solid roadmap, I think. Um, there are a lot of things that I have been enjoying myself uh, about it. I can totally understand how it doesn't appeal to everybody. Um, but there are stark differences, no pun intended, um, on the way like Game of Thrones was filmed and written versus how House of House of Dragon is filmed and written. And Absolutely. a lot, yeah, a lot of my major issues that I had, and it just goes back to personal taste, you know, I'm sure people might listen to this and be like, of course, she's someone who doesn't like the real grittiness, but like, there were times where I'm like, was that really necessary? Like, did you um, need to put that in there? Or did you just absolutely. want to? <laughs> yeah, and sure. I feel like House of the Dragon took a lot of those moments and they they decided to say let's be a little bit more tasteful like did we need this no you know what it's not gonna actually add to the story so why why pad it why pad the episodes it feels like one they are being a little bit more discretionary so that they can when they add the things that are supposed to make you uncomfortable you can tell that they're there to make you uncomfortable. There are, there are these... these Like that very... thing in the first episode. There was a... Yeah. I, I don't know about you, but there was... A, I had to actually mute... Like, I could not... I it could was... not watch and listen to that. Yeah. And at first, I was very upset. I'm, I'm being intentionally vague for spoilers. Like, I don't want to spoil anything. But if you watch and, the again, episode, we're... you're going to figure it out. What the heck? Oh. I think he's Welcome haunted. back. Okay. Um... But uh, that that scene in particular, yeah. I was very not stressing. Yeah, I was not thrilled, is... based on you know who I am, uh, as you can imagine. Um, but I did read some interviews after the fact where apparently they took that scene, showed it to a bunch of women, and they said thoughts. And there were women that said, honestly, I think you could be a little bit more brutal to show the accuracy, like what it would be like the real life. And they're like, we don't know if we want to push it anymore. And women were like, yeah, all right, I get it. But other yeah, than yeah. that, yeah, this is this is very real. Glad and they didn't, by the way. I know. But like, I guess they said, you know, they wanted to make a make a statement about, yeah. you know, the importance Every- of a woman getting to have an opinion on that because of what can happen. And I'm like, after reading that, I actually appreciated the scene a lot more because I went into it with the mentality that they were going to do what Game of Thrones did, which was, we're going to put this in there for shock value. And that's what I appreciate about House of Dragon is that the things that are in there are in there purposefully Mm -hmm. and not just for the spectacle. Yeah. But the thing, if something is in there and it's making you uncomfortable, it's because the show designers designed it to be uncomfortable, not because they had no, like self-awareness of it being in there exactly 
So yeah, I recommend it. It might not be for everybody. Some people might still be a little burned out with the Game of Thrones stuff, which hey, I get that, but I recommend. Yeah, I mean, Matt Smith has definitely been killing it. Yes. Oh, Matt Smith is in it? Oh yeah, yeah. Matt Smith is in it. Yeah. And here Probably I was the, thinking I of watching Morbius instead. <laughs> Mist, you can... This is much better, <laughs> If you want a good Matt Smith, you could also watch uh, Nine Soho instead. I yeah. do want to see that eventually. It's really good. Yeah. Uh-oh. Sadly, I'm... I mean, I'm not sure if it's sadly, but I never watched Game of Thrones, so I'm not really interested in that kind of stuff. It's like there's also like the Rings of Powers for... I haven't got to that yet. Yeah. I've I've been waiting. As much as I am a super big Tolkien fan in general, I think I'd prefer with Rings of Power to wait and sit down and binge it front to back. Agreed. Watching the whole series will be watching just like, you know, two movies. Yeah. It, it it doesn't strike me as the type of thing that I need to hit episodically, whereas, like, She-Hulk is very episodic by its nature. Um, House of the Dragon, because of the way that it's doing a... His, uh, adapting a book of histories, it is doing this time frame, jump, this time frame, jump, so it also has that sort of mm. Episodic. Obviously, there's like narrative through lines, but it's much easier to to do week to week with that one. Yeah, I've actually Whereas, heard that like uh, Netflix is thinking about releasing episodes weekly or whatever instead of having it all released at once, like they've been doing. It's I guess in order to make people keep subscriptions. <laughs> I mean, that's one thing, yeah. But like everyone else is doing it because of that, and also it gets people to talk about the whole show instead of just you know the ending or something right as it's released. Yeah, it keeps it keeps the interest and the engagement high to yeah. do it uh, week to week, which is as you said, Zyber, a thing that a lot of the streaming things are doing. However, my like turnaround on that is. You, you're still going to run into people like me, for instance, who are just going to be like, nah, I'll wait and binge it all at the end instead of you stringing me along with a subscription fee for two, three months. Oh, that's fine. But like, I, I really like being able to watch multiple shows at once. And when you got the binge style, like I'm currently watching the anime Hunter Hunter, but like I want to watch She-Hulk, but oh man, I really want to finish this thing before I move on kind of stuff. And then yeah, you feel I, like, man, I'm a little bit out of the loop now because, you know, yeah, what I just saw, like, people already saw a while ago. Like, I already paused watching Batman the Animated Series because I finished two seasons of it, and I was like, oh, I really should try watching something else. Yeah, I've been doing a, a slow burn uh, binge, quote-unquote, a slow burn run-through, at least, of Doctor Who, starting from the very beginning of uh, New Who with Eccleston. Okay, I was going to say, if you watch the entire thing, it might take you a few years. No, I started with New Who with Eccleston, and I just just actually hit um, Matt Smith's 11th Doctor. But that has been nice, because that's the the trade-off, is if you don't want to binge it, you have something like Doctor Who or Hunter Hunter. It's always something that you can throw on at any given point. Whereas if I'm sitting here like, man, I can go for some She-Hulk. Next episode doesn't come out until next week. I can't just throw it on. I've already watched these recently. There's less less option. I don't know. There's a give and take to, I mean, to all the different... It's not less option if there's a bunch of shows releasing at the same time doing that. 
Well, fair. And what's with all these shows, like, releasing on the same days? That's annoying. Well, yeah, the, the intentional competition. I know, like, I know Disney at least tries to release their own shows on different days. There's, like, I think, actually, well, Miss Marvel was released on the same day as some other show, and that caused issues, and so they learned their lesson. Yeah, you don't want to compete with yourself, but there are seven days. Not everything needs to come out on a Wednesday. Wednesdays are so good, apparently. I guess. I don't know. That's that, that, That's what I've been doing. I, I went um, just this past weekend. A friend had a birthday party, and we hung out and uh, sang karaoke nice. at his house. So that was fun. <laughs> I've always wanted to do that. I know in a city nearby, there's a karaoke hibachi bar place. I'm just like, I need to go there Ooh. someday. That sounds... Yeah, our, this was literally just... He had a, a mic and a little amp with YouTube karaoke in his living room. That oh, works. <laughs> oh, yeah, it worked. It was fun. We had a good time. Uh, school, my school's after prom party, they had karaoke, and that was great. My friend and I sang... Um, uh, dream on because we're just like what's the most obnoxious song we can try singing there you go have you done any uh karaoke stuff before alexander um uh once at songwa um let me just say i don't have a lot of memories of that night but i guess i placed which means the competition was very bad um uh, i am a notoriously bad singer and then out in um cincinnati i don't know if it's still there but there was a karaoke bar called i want to say it was called tokyo kitty um where you could do karaoke and you could get your drinks delivered like through a hole in the ceiling like it would come down on a tray nice it was super cool That's awesome <laughs> i was out there um right before i went ghost hunting at bobby mackey's um followed by a couple days later i was at uh, the waverly hill sanatorium and so i stopped for a night in cincinnati and uh vis- visited tokyo kitty fun I mean, like, the point of karaoke is definitely not to actually sing well. Like, you kind of want to purposely sound bad. Yeah, okay, but, like, one of my best friends, um, like, I am godmother to her children. She is a, she went to school for music, and she's a music teacher, and she can sing <laughs> very well. So I've always been surrounded by, you know, people like her, um, which, you know, just reinforces how bad I am. <laughs> <laughs> twist the knife a little bit well, oh, yeah. well, maybe you're actually really good when you don't remember it yeah no mm, I really don't think so I think everybody at that point in the night was all just really bad really so bad you, just, you keep comparing yourself to music majors which means when you compare yourself to normal people uh, no mm-mm. one time as a kid I was singing in the car and my dad looked at me and was like don't ever quit your day job <laughs> Please, honey, please, please stop. I can only take so much. Please stop. Well, he can also, my dad was also always a really good singer. So, like, it just, you know, I just, yeah, no, no, not for me. That's sad. I have a friend who cannot keep key whatsoever, and I still gladly belt along to songs with him. It's really just fun. fun. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. What about you, Cyber? Anything good for your ministry cap before we wrap up? Well, here? so far, uh, I've just been playing Splatoon three and Xenoblade Chronicles. I finally finished Xenoblade Chronicles. You know, oh, about time. Well, <laughs> took me <laughs> like around eighty five hours, and it was crazy because like I thought I was close to finishing it 
when I got back to it because there was just a long break I had. Turns out I was only at the halfway mark because (laughs) the final boss, I had to be around level 80 to fight. And most RPGs, you need to be around like level 50 to 60. So it, it just kept going on and I was really shocked. But I was trying to do as much side quests as I could, but then I got to a certain event and all of a sudden all the side quests I haven't done yet required being like 85 to 99 to fight enemies. So I was just like, well, I guess I'll just go finish the story. And actually, uh, so in Xenoblade Chronicles, if an enemy is above five levels your level, you usually miss your attacks. And so... Like, I got to the point of no return where they specifically said, are you sure you want to continue? And so I made a save before it. I fought this regular boss. Turns out he was one level above that five-level limit, so I had to go back to my save because even though I died and it had me in, like, an area, I couldn't go back. So I leveled up, like, twice, beat him, and then I got to the final boss, and the final boss was an even higher level but had question marks (laughs) as its, like, level over the health bar. I'm just like, well, I don't even know what level I need to be and so I died twice and it's all like do you want to go to casual mode I go yeah sure <laughs> I'm, I'm right yeah. here I'm not going back and I beat it that's fair it's a great story um the side quest because of a certain event kind of felt irrelevant when it got to that part of the story because like a lot of the side quests were like there's five major towns and you're like growing your affinity with the entire towns by talking to everyone and helping them and yeah, I don't know, but it was really great. I'm excited to finally get to two, even though three just came out. So you'll work your way up eventually. Now, what would what have been your thoughts on Splatoon three? Because I know you're a huge Splatoon fan. In so 100 percent the story in one sitting, <laughs> which I stayed up till two o'clock to do that. <laughs> but it was so great. It finally gave lore about like how what happened to the humans because Splatoon takes place in a post-apocalyptic, like way post where the apocalypse stuff happened. And now there's sea creatures that are acting like mammals basically on land. And so it finally gave like more backstory about how that happened in the story mode. And then as for the regular multiplayer stuff, I absolutely love what they've done with the ranked mode. So originally ranked mode, you have four different ranked modes, each with their own ranking. You have to level up by playing the certain mode. Uh, this time they made it where it's just a single rank. No matter which mode you're playing, this, it's all accumulated. And also, so you can do a open lobby where you are able to join friends to be a party together. Uh, if you win a match, you get 8 points. If you lose a match, you lose 2 points. But like it takes like 150 points to get to the next ranking. So it uh, so there's, it, there's a fair bit of... Yeah, it takes a lot. It used, and then there's the series where it costs 55 points of your rank to enter. And then based on how good you do, uh, you can... The goal is to win five matches. And if you lose three matches during that, then you're out. And so based on how many matches you win, you get points back. The I played... It twice, and I was able to win three times each time, and I gained a profit of a hundred points. So, <laughs> seems worth. Yeah, it, you're not able to do it with friends in series, but like, oh, all right. So if I want to play with friends, I go to the open mode where even if I lose a ton, it's not that bad. I only lose two points per uh, game, 
And so that's just like, it's really nice because in Splatoon 2, ranked mode was you try to fill up a bar by winning. And if the bar fills up, you go to the next rank. If you have this hidden value of losing points, the bar cracks and eventually breaks and goes down a level. So I definitely prefer this new method. Yeah, hidden values are not fun for that kind of stuff. No. Because, like, the hidden value, you. It was based on if the game thought you should have won the match, then you lose way more points compared to if the game is all like, uh, maybe you will lose this match, so we, we're not going to punish you too bad if you do. So, overall, would you recommend Splatoon 3? Yeah. Like, I, I think it's really good. The only downside currently is just that uh, there's not that many weapons. Currently, they just have one of each kind of weapon, but eventually they'll be releasing varieties with different substance specials. So, like, if you like a certain weapon, but, oh, you hate the bomb it's with, well, maybe they'll release a, the same kind of weapon with a different bomb later on. So we'll just have to wait and see. But uh, the new maps for the game, I, I do absolutely love all those maps. They're really fun. Nice. All right, well, um, I guess before we head out here, the final thing we should do is ask Alexandra, where can people find you? <laughs> sure. Um, so Echoes and Ashes is on Amazon. You can get it in both uh, ebook and paperback. Uh, if you ever happen to see me at a trade show, you can probably get a hardback from me. Um, Earth and Ashes, uh, it'll be the same thing. You will, be, you will be able to get the ebook and the paperback on Halloween. Um, through Amazon. Um, the Deepman Files uh, tabletop RPG is available via PDF through drivethroughrpg.com. Uh, currently, uh, the hardbacks are actually the only print versions, and you can only get them through me at events. Um, for anybody who's in the greater Pittsburgh area, I will actually be at the Pittsburgh Gaming Expo the first weekend of October. Um, so if you have a strong desire to get the hardback copy of uh, the tabletop RPG, swing by my booth there. Um, the Deepman Files podcast is available on, as I've said before, most major podcasting networks. Um, Spotify, Stitcher, um, Podcast Addict, uh, Google, Pandora, you name it. As long as it's not Apple, it's probably there. <laughs> um, someday, someday. Uh, but yeah, uh, you can always feel free to reach out to us. We're at thedeepmanfiles.com. And if you go to our website, we actually have a link to our Discord community there. So we do periodically drop some extra things like uh, pre-made character sheets that we've created, extra character art, um, little modules and scenarios. And every now and again, we will actually run some online RPGs. Um, so if that's your thing, maybe come by and visit us. I'm glad that you like mentioned a, a uh, convention that you'll be at because my first thought was like, do I just need to like keep going to haunted areas in hopes that you'll be there with random hardcovers in your backpack? <laughs> Uh, you know what? You you say that, but I'm getting to the point where I do just keep some in my trunk just in case. One time I kept my box of misprints in my car and we went ghost hunting and we were in an open air area where we needed a fire and we didn't have any kindling, but I did have a box of misprint books. So <laughs> got some great photos out of it. <laughs> that's that's pretty good. All right. Well, definitely thank you for joining us. Uh listeners, you should totally check that out. I know I'm definitely going to check it out. Thank you so much. I've had a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks for joining us. It was a lot of fun having you. I just said that. Shut up. <laughs>